0: Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We are officially into the new season of the Premier League, and we've debuted our new FPL Blues Podcast exclusive music for season number two, 2022, off to a raucous start. I'm John Bucks, together with my co-host Brian Chin. Brian, how the hell are we doing tonight? Football is back, baby! Feeling good. It's been so long since
1: I've been able to refresh the screen constantly during a game week, looking to add those bonus scores after the matches are ended and hopefully come somewhere around 65 points, which I've actually <laughs> looked at a few of the past seasons. You know, if you can average 65 points every single game week for the entire season, you'll be about top 25 K. So I'm hoping for that again this year.
0: Worth mentioning, we are only one game week into a 38 game week marathon of a season, so it is not time to panic if you did not have a great game week, and it's not quite time to pat yourself on the back if you had a very strong game week. Patience and you know being able to maintain is key in the FPL game for a season of success.
1: Yeah, and I loved this game week since we had a match on Friday. Just such good vibes. You know, work from home especially is a great time to block off the calendar for a full hour, watch the whole second half of the game. Oh, such good times. And Arsenal and Crystal Palace delivered a pretty fun and entertaining match.
0: Yeah, that was a great watch for some Friday bonus footy. And uh, we won't tell your boss, Brian, that you were uh, burning the midnight oil with spreadsheets and uh, presentations on your second screen as the game was uh, was blaring in the background.
1: I mean, I, I burn the midday oil quite often, Monday through Thursday. But when it's Friday, come, t- come lunchtime, I'm ready to uh, back and relax a little bit. So glad to have football back on. Uh, fridays and we'll have some monday fixtures coming up too
0: all right so this is going to be the first of our standard season episodes so for framework to any new listeners we are going to go through and recap brian and my team's performance we're also going to give a shout out and recognize the top fpl manager in the fpl blues podcast League that we have, which is a special mini league. Access code is still open for new entries for M-U-M-S-2, for Mums2, if you want to be involved and hear your name on the podcast and potentially earn some swag at the end of the season. Uh, Then we're going to go in and cover what happened in the previous game week, kind of a game week in review. look in through our 2020 glasses uh, so we really get the best picture of what happened. We're going to highlight some of the top performers uh, from the previous game week. And then we're gonna look ahead and plan for what's to come in the upcoming game week, single out some matches to target for FPL halls, as well as the players who we are tapping to do the big point scoring. Uh, without further ado, let's dive into the recap. Brian, how did your team perform in game week one?
1: Bucks had a pretty solid game week, nothing to complain about 67 points, all up about 12 points above the average of 57. Uh, ultimately, I took a few big punts heading into game week one. In my squad, I had Riyad Mahrez, who you know, I'm addicted to I love his left foot. And I decided to punch on him as he played really well in the preseason and was starting all their matches. Of course, he gets benched and comes on for a big cameo of one point, which I legit needed though. because. Nico Williams had zero on my bench and he would have been coming in for me. Uh, Solid captain. Yeah. Solid captain for 24. Holland with 13. Beautiful. James and Cancelo, seven apiece, both getting two bonus and one yellow card. So I thought that was pretty funny uh, for those guys coming in. And then I went uh, with the likes of Iverson and Ward as my 8.0 goalie combination for Leicester. 60 minutes in, they were looking pretty decent. They were shutting out the B's 2-0. And uh, lo and behold, Lester gonna Lester, and uh, they molested my team. Really, is what happened, Bucks. And <laughs> I have I had one they point from Danny. They molested your team. Yep, exactly, exactly. So very, very tough, uh, tough there. But the most disappointing thing in my team were the Liverpool assets, um, both Rabo and Trent, one point apiece. Mitro bossed them. Mitro actually just dunked on TAA. That was embarrassing. That would go in a in a highlight reel center top 10 he just rose above him headed into the back of the nets and fulham looked excellent i know we'll go into Mitrovic a little bit later so those are my disappointing marks in the team but otherwise i'm pretty well set up for this upcoming game week i have three city players against bournemouth at home and i think that's going to be a 4-5-0 match so looking
0: forward to that what about you bucks how did you fare i think you were above me in the rankings this week yeah, it feels good to be back to being the best manager on the podcast. I landed on 78 points. Wow, this guy, this guy he gets one game weekend and he's already flaunting his stuff. What a peacock drink, you are. Drink it in, baby. 78 points all out. I had a really strong start. Uh, Captain Salah always comes good on opening weekend. He delivered a Attacking return for this sixth straight season in game week one. So he is just a total legend uh in the opening fixture. He had 24 points, uh, same as he had for you, Brian. And then I, na- I really and then I really nailed my two 50-50 decisions. I decided to go with Holland over Kane and Holland had 13 points, Kane uh, blanked for two, so that was an 11-point swing. And then I had Trippier over Perisic, which was a seven uh, versus one-point swing. So all in all, a really strong start, but that is going to be demanding of my performance levels to keep up at this high level, uh, to kind of just maintain and continue uh, to ascend uh, into the start of this season. So really happy with how I started.
1: Yeah, it's a great start, Bucks. I think uh, you and I were both talking about two slots in your team, Kane or Holland, we ended up both going with Holland because we really wanted to roll the transfer heading into game week uh, two. And therefore, it just made sense to start with Holland. And even though he really missed a few big chances in the community shield, his XG was off the charts. And he is an absolute beast. I cannot wait to watch him all season. What a privilege it's going to be to watch this young man become a true elite football legend in the premier league so looking forward to that um one 150 50 /50 call i wanted to shout out and i know obviously we have a lot of tinker time but i was really set on going with that 8.0 and i was between mares and kulu and same kind of mantra i did not want to spend a transfer moving kulu to a potential city mid and uh Unfortunately, on the wrong side of that, if I would have had those additional 12 points, I would have been sitting tied with you and looking pretty. But instead, I'm the
0: worst manager on the podcast and we move on. It is what it is. Yeah. And so just for context, the average score in this game week was relatively high. It was 57 points. So strong performances across the board. Mostly uh, any manager that went with a relative template team uh, had a good showing. And we do want to shout out the top manager of the game week that goes to a great follow on Twitter and a good lad overall at FPL, big Apple, Alex Grun, his team, grandpa, they land on a massive 85 points and he's actually within the top hundred K overall, which is a really exceptional place to start out. Uh, Just for reference, last season's champion started, started here outside the top 500K. So Alex is really uh, starting his season campaign from a point of strength. And uh, really for him, it all boiled down to his Uruguayan roots because that allowed him to go Darwin Nunez and kind of swerve the FPL hive mind behind Gabriel Jesus. And that was a massive, massive swing uh, that came good for Alex and his team. So congratulations, Alex. First shout out of many uh, for the over 200 players that are in the FPL Blues Podcast League. And you could be like Alex if your team delivers on your behalf on the next episode or further on in the season. So drink it in, Alex. Bravo. Congratulations to you and your team. Yeah, well done. Very impressive. 85 points.
1: Hopefully you can roll your transfer and head into game week three in a position of strength. We're looking forward to game week two and Bucks, I think we're going to leave the League open for a few more game weeks until the first international break. So please continue to join that. Like Buck said, code is 4MUMS2, 4MUMS2. Please get in there and then hopefully you'll engage with us on Twitter and on our WhatsApp groups to make sure that we are answering your community questions.
0: Yeah, and without further ado, let's take our first break. When we come back, we will recap some of the top performances and the action in game week one.
1: Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're now going to break down some of the standout players from game week one and players to add to your watch list. Again, we're just starting off the season. We're collecting data, we're collecting heat maps. We're doing it all here to make sure that our FPL teams are delivering points. And we also want to preach some patience because one game week does not mean that your picks that you spent a whole month deciding on are bad picks. You have to let those players run out and be realistic with your assets. I think when we look at some of our cheap assets under 6 million price enablers, you you don't expect them to score every week. If they can get you a haul, maybe an assist or a goal every once out of three weeks, that's very helpful. So make sure to just practice a little patience. We want to collect some more data and then we'll make some big moves. So let's start off with the Arsenal match Bucks, the standout performer. And one of the top scoring defenders of the game week was Mr. Zinchenko, he looked revived coming into Arteta's side. He's got a lot of experience with the manager, and Arteta really deployed some similar tactics to Pep, where we saw Zinchenko not only play in the left-back position, but also in a creative force in midfield. At $5.1 million now, because he saw a price rise yesterday, is he an asset that is really going to be a, a potential season keeper for Gunners fans and for
0: FPL managers alike? Yeah, he looks spectacular. I think he is a player to have very high on your watch list if you don't yet have him in your side. Uh, The big thing is he's playing out of position when Arsenal have possession. And if they are going to be true to what Arteta wants from the team to mirror Pep, And his tactics they might have a lot of possession this season so that means he's going to be forward up the pitch leaving three at the back and so zinchenko really is a player that was spending a lot of time in the attacking half and making a lot of incisive passes uh specifically he had that great pass uh to martinelli's header uh which led to the opening goal so he gets a clean sheet and yeah i think at five million uh arsenal are gonna have a lot of interestingly priced players for FPL managers to consider this season. Yeah, we also saw Martinelli get that goal. He ends on eight points
1: for the game week. Unfortunately, no bonus points for him. He looked more threatening in the first half with a few more shots and then kind of uh, was more in a game management mode and playing less attacking in the second half. Unfortunately, Jesus was the one who blanked for FPL managers. He records two points. But overall, I thought he looked very active and he was really trying to fit in and be one of the guys. I think he made a few extra passes to the likes of Saka where he could have potentially shot. But he did have one of the highlights of the match where he dribbled through three or four opponents to get into the box and then get off a shot, which ultimately I thought Martinelli could have done a lot better and put that in the back of the net as well early, maybe in the first five or six minutes. So he could have easily been on five points in that match. And ultimately, we're just impressed with this growing uh, young squad at Arsenal and I think there are more goals to come and their fixtures aligned so hold tight with Jesus don't punt him right away and uh, maybe consider bringing in another Arsenal player if you only have two
0: Yeah, keep the faith with Gabriel Jesus. Uh, That is my big takeaway from game week one. He looked extremely threatening and he was getting into great positions. Uh, My big takeaway from watching the game is that the scoreline was very flattering to Arsenal, uh, ending up 2-0 win. Uh, The XG, the advanced stats, really had this as a nearly level game. The difference was that Arsenal were clinical in their finishing and Crystal Palace were slightly wasteful. Uh, But, you know, Arsenal fans, definitely take this result FPL managers who had a double or triple up on Arsenal will also very happily take the returns and let's keep it moving to the opening fixture on Saturday morning which saw Fulham host Liverpool and this was tipped to be a blowout easy peasy matchup for Liverpool and Fulham were not having any part of that no they were not
1: I mean, hats off to Marco Silva. He really had his team geared up at Craven Cottage. They were fully prepared for this match, and I think this was one where Klopp and the Liverpool players just went over the schedule and glossed over it and didn't think twice about it. They thought they could just roll out and deliver a three or four nil victory. And unfortunately, this is a completely different Fulham team than we've seen in the past, I thought without Harry Wilson, who is arguably their second best player and main creator, who is out for a few weeks that they were really going to struggle, but the whole team played really well. I was really impressed with uh, Paulinho. He was all over the pitch. Uh, Andreas Pereira, who is our 4.5 midfielder darling. He's going to grow into that role, but he was furthest up the pitch a number of occasions on corners. He looks like a player that will gladly start um, in a in a sticky spot if one of my main guys gets injured. And he's going to be creating opportunities for Mitrovic, who ends up on 13 points, two goals, three bonus points. And like I said, he posterized TAA, and that's something that hopefully Klopp will point out in the film and just uh, really embarrass Taa a little bit because every now and then, obviously he's a world-class player from an attacking perspective, but he can fall asleep on the defensive end. And he barely even got off the ground bucks when, uh, Mitrovic
0: went up to dunk on him. Yeah, that was a man's move by, uh, Juan one Mitrovic and, uh, he also van dyked Virgil, uh, uh, earning that penalty is the first time in his history of being a Liverpool player. That Virgil Van Dyke was beaten in a one v one that led to a Ooh. penalty conceded. So, uh, bravo to Mitrovic. He's really in form right now. And yeah, yeah. Let, let,
1: let's highlight that again. That Virgil Van Donk move right there. What are you doing? You got to move your feet. You're you certainly have classier feet than Mitrovic. <laughs> I can't believe that he fell for that and then dangled his foot in there. I know VAR, you know, reviewed it, but that, that, that is poor form. It was clear. By, By VVD. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. And uh, something that we are, you know, like you said, very shocked to see, but he took the pen very confidently. And this man scored 43 flipping goals last year. He's going to be close to 15 this season and could be great value. And I'm looking forward to continuing watch and monitor this Fulham team
0: just uh quickly on the liverpool front you know we got classic performances out of mo salah the best fpl player of all time he had a classy goal and a very very selfless assist to play in uh darwin nunez who came on as a super sub and he really yeah hold that hold hold on bucks a classy goal a rebound goal
1: that that nunez should have probably finished instead i don't know if it was classy but he was he was where he was supposed to be
0: to poach the goal A classic uh, striker's goal, scorer's goal. Let me rephrase that. And uh, Much better, much better. And you know what? Nunez really was uh, the difference maker. He came on as a super sub and changed the tone of the game. I think uh, his energy, his runs, uh, pressure he put on the Fulham defense uh, really was what brought Liverpool back into that game. And honestly, if not for some uh, great defending by the woodwork and – they, they probably would have ended up escaping with all three points despite not putting their best foot forward.
1: Yeah, Nunez actually recorded the highest non-penalty XG of any player for the entire weekend in FPL, and he played 40 minutes. So taking a look further at Nunez, I think this is going to be a very compelling option as your third Liverpool player throughout the season. We want to see him get a few starts underneath his belt, but obviously in his 40-minute cameo, he was gobbling up the big chances so definitely a player to watch out for and he might be the central player in this liverpool team Uh, i thought they did really miss mane's pace on the wing i thought they looked a little bit sluggish and slow in the first half of that match and again they just weren't ready to play so we're expecting a big bounce back performance by the entire liverpool squad in game week two at home versus crystal palace and They will be missing Tiago, who is out for, I believe, six weeks with a hammy. So that's not great news. But they have players like Harvey Elliott in the wings uh, waiting to get in. So
0: we'll see if they can bounce back and give us a full FPL performance in game week two. Yeah, I feel for Crystal Palace. Uh, Tough result against Arsenal. And now you have the honor and joy of traveling to Anfield, where Liverpool didn't lose once last season uh, for a hungry and extra motivated Klopp side. Uh, Moving on. Let's go to the next match, and that was Villa getting absolutely smashed by newly promoted side Bournemouth, another unexpected result from a promoted side. Bucks, what a shit show. What is Gerard doing? I have not been impressed
1: with his reign at uh, Villa so far. I can't believe that you would come out and get just destroyed by a promoted team, 2-0. Obviously, they've been playing... Relatively well in preseason. I thought they started dings up top as well, which uh, I'm not sure where Watkins was. Do you know?
0: I think he had a knock, but yeah, it's just a very listless list and confusing Ugh. showing from Villa because I think there are heavy expectations that they are going to be competing for a top half of the table finish. And there's been a lot of plaudits about uh the health and the quality of a lot of their attacking players and they all no showed in a very stark manner specifically uh kind of darling budget enabler leon bailey uh he was very attacking but the just the the feeding balls to him the quality of ball movement around the whole team something was just majorly off in this villa side and uh yeah the cherries totally pounced. They were, they were not too fussed uh, that Villa were sucking uh, all afternoon because they just put on a true performance in front of their crowd. And uh, I thought for me, uh, the player for them that jumped off the pitch was one Lloyd Kelly. He's a budget 4.5 million defender. He had an assist clean sheet and three bonus for 12 points. Um, And you know what? I've gone on and on about how I love Scott Parker as a manager. And I think that they had very low expectations. They didn't have a lot of fit defenders coming into this match, but that was no problem because they just easily handled the villains. They tossed them to the side and that was a great three point performance from the entire Bournemouth team. Something to be proud of for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think when I look at some of these fpl managers out there in the community who still rate philip coutinho i think this is a squad player at this point i don't think they can rely on him game in and game week out i mean he bounced back from barcelona into the scene last year had like three or four good game weeks but then he went on a string of like 10 game weeks where he blanked every single one and same thing for this one so i think gerard has to consider rotating him with buendia Uh, because I just don't think that he can play a full 90 minutes and be the main creator. Uh, I think he only created maybe one chance the whole match, and they need a much better performance out of that slot to help feed the likes of Danny Ings, Watkins, and Bailey. So again, I I own Bailey. I'm happy to have him. 5.0, whatever. He's going to hopefully deliver a goal or an assist in the first couple matches, and it enables the rest of my team. But I won't be moving him and wasting a transfer to go to somebody like you know, uh, Dewsbury Hall or something straight away. Just have some patience and know that he, he could be a good first bench.
0: Yeah, but worth mentioning, I mean, we are only one game week into the season, but they play Everton next. And I think that if they do not get a point out of that match, it's going to start being coming panic stations really quickly at Villa. They have these two fixtures to open up with, Bournemouth and Everton and then their schedule gets significantly more difficult so I think if they're not going to grab points against Everton they're going to be looking a long time out before they're looking at a match where they're favored in yeah they're very Jekyll and Hyde like they have put in some good performances when
1: they can raise their games to the level of their opponents but sometimes they just really just play down to their the level of the opponents. And that's something that hopefully Gerard can fix in the coming weeks. But uh, you know, Bournemouth has Manchester City up next. They're going to get smashed. So don't bring in any of their players, but uh, happy for them to get their first W and three points uh, it's from a promotion side.
0: Next up is Jesse Marsh, Ted Lasso leading his lead side uh, <laughs> back to Ellen Road. Uh, this was a real coronation uh, showing from the fans and for leads. They play against Wolves and they start down a goal, but then they they surge back and actually grab the win. And I think it's just funny as an American watching this match because Jesse Marsh is such a brash American and he's playing against a team full of really <laughs> nice and more jovial portuguese men and it's just like he's like a wwe wrestler out there he's trying to like fight with bruno lodge as the other manager at the end of the match yeah he's all shithousery all the time from jesse marsh i love it
1: he got up in uh in his face and put said to put some respect on my name that's what he was up in uh the wolves manager's face about but a huge you know home win for leads they have a really solid number of fixtures coming up and some budget enablers. I thought that Jack Harrison looked really solid. He created the most chances out of any player this weekend with seven chances created and led to one of the goals uh, for a lead. So I think they're a team that will monitor Aronson, a fellow American that was brought in by Marsh. He's a pressing monster fitness beast. I know Bucks, you have a lot of respect for those types of players because that's not the athletes that we are anymore, but they're out there expending a lot of energy and he um, really helped lead to one of the own goals from a Nori later to win the game.
0: Yeah, and I thought Rodrigo also was a player that I thought sparkled for Leeds. Uh, Rodrigo ends up with seven points. Jack Harrison ends up with six points for FPL. And then on the other side of the pitch, Daniel Potence was really the only player that I thought uh, carried water for wolves in this match he ends up with the goal playing as the false nine despite being uh you know basically half a half a person he's so small uh but he ends up with 10 fpl points uh from the goal and you know the more popular player at that same 5.5 million price point was one pedro Neto. he blanked but i think he he definitely was a player that you saw the potential and he was getting into good positions. Uh, just Wolves are a team that do not score a lot of goals. So uh, you have to pick right on each day that you're going to land uh, the bingo on who the player that you have on Wolves is going to actually get in the goals. Hold Neto.
1: Don't panic. He's playing Fulham at home in his next match and will be a good asset. I think uh, I'm actually happy Bucks because I know in the last pod, we shouted out some dark horse assets and, I definitely uh, shed some light on potence who when healthy is a pretty good player but he's always very frail because of his tiny frame so he comes good and lastly i just want to note that bamford was very close to a big double digit haul. he almost scored a header he was very active he looks to be one that's at the top of my watch list behind darwin nunez as a potential striker to have an fpl i think if they're going to continue to play attacking football Bamford is back. He got an assist, five points. But if he
0: would have put home one of his goals, um, then he would have been on a 12-pointer. Leeds end up with the 2-1 result for all three points. Worth mentioning and monitoring for FPL purposes and also for Wolves fans looking at you at FPL Black Wolf, that Pedro Neto is now rumored Uh to potentially be going to Arsenal as a potential shock transfer move, as well as Ruben Neves. Say what? Yeah, Hold Ruben on. Neves where are you? Where are you getting Ned- this information? Is this on
1: Fabrizio's page?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Both Neves and Neto are on the radar of Arteta right now. So that's something to monitor. And as of today, Connor Cody is heading to Everton as a permanent transfer move. He does not really fit into. The four at the back system that lodge wants to play so this is a great move for the english international to get more playing time under frank lampard and i think he's going to be uh really playing his heart out to end up on the three line side for the world cup with that let's keep it moving to newcastle forest and the truth callum wilson does not disappoint he opens his goal scoring account uh, on opening day, as he predicted in a Smack Talk Zoom meeting with one Mikel Antonio. Uh, so love to see that <laughs> and he backed himself. He ends up with six FPL points. And overall, Newcastle just rolled to an easy 2-0 victory. My big takeaway from this match is Forrest are dog shit. And they're likely going to be the 20th place team at the end of the season.
1: I mean, Forrest is in a tough spot because they're basically pulling what Fulham did a few seasons ago when they got promoted to the Premier League. They have made over 10 new signings, right? So none of this team has rapport with each other. It's going to take them the first five games where they're going to get up and down the field. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're in a tough spot. So I think better days are to come for NFO. But for now, stay away from all their assets. Nico Williams, a big fat zero pointer but again, he played, he got a yellow card, conceded two goals, but he played. So 4.0, happy to have him on my bench. And I think uh, when they have some better fixtures, maybe he'll be a a cheap uh, guy to come in in a case of immersion.
0: Yeah. And Trippier, he's been a popular target at 5 million. He had a good game, uh, ends up with the uh, clean sheet for seven FPL points. But Fabian Schar is the one that really jumped off the page and his strike from outside the box. If that didn't Smack you of holy cannoli! What a finish! Then you were not really paying attention to this match. That was a wonder strike goal of the game week for sure. And he Absolutely. ends up with that goal, clean sheet, and three bonus points to tie. He's the co-top scorer in game week one with 15 FPL points, massive for him and really interesting because a lot of Newcastle insiders and fans were tapping that Botman, the new uh, transfer acquisition, was going to get. Fabian Char's spot, that was not to be, and Char showed why. Uh, so really great performance from him and the whole uh, whole Newcastle team. Yeah, honestly, I think Botman is going to rotate with Dan Byrne until he
1: gets up to speed with the Premier League. And I actually see Fabian Char staying in a lot more of these matches in the Premier League because he has experience and he's very attacking. Even on corners, he can get in there. So uh, definitely an asset to potentially monitor at his 4.5 price tag. All right, let's keep it moving, bucks. Let's talk about Tottenham Hotspurs 4-1 versus the JWP Saints because there's nobody else on this Saints team that is worth a damn. So we're calling them the JWP Saints this season. Break
0: it down. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Southampton, they started strong. They were the better team uh, it, it pretty much until – uh, James Ward-Prowse scored that opening goal. And then from there on out, it was all Spurs all the time. They were tottening all over the pitch, and they had a little party uh, to the tune of four straight goals in response. Uh, for me, the best player in this match was Kulisevsky. He ends up with a goal and assist for 13 FPL points. Uh, but not to be outdone were the wingbacks that started for Spurs, and they were not the ones we were predicting. We had Sessegnon and Emerson Royal both show up to start and really demand that they keep that spot. I would expect they keep it uh, when they travel to Stanford Bridge next weekend based on their performance. Uh, Cessignon gets a goal, and so he ends up on seven points, and Emerson Royal gets two assists and one bonus for nine points. Uh, Really strong, impressive, complete performance uh, across the team for Tottenham and Conte it's surprising to see a
1: four one victory and have a Harry Kane blank. I thought he played pretty well overall. So did son. I thought both of them could have had higher scorecards for FPL. But when we look at this team, there's going to be a ton of value in the wingback. So we just need to be patient and figure out when the time is for Perisic and Doherty to come in. You know, I actually think their best combination might be Parisage on the right and then Sess on the left Perisic what? is a world-class player wow. with both feet. So in, in time, I'll be interested to see, you know, what they roll out. Obviously this match versus Chelsea is a huge one. So I expect the classiness of Parisage to probably start the match. And if he's looking a little bit rugged Sess coming in as the super sub, but I have no idea on the right. I think doc is still first choice, but um, you know, We've seen a lot of notes from Conte and the pressers and things of that nature that both of those guys still need to get up to game match uh, fitness. So more to come from Spurs and they look like they could easily be the third best team in the league this year. And I cannot wait for this match that uh, that Chelsea has next week. It's going to be a very cagey one. I think it'll be maybe a 1-1 or a 2-1, but it ain't it ain't going to be easy, especially how uh, Spurs look in their front three.
0: All right, hold your horses, Brian. We're still in the recap. Uh, worth noting, Spurs are currently top of the table. So kudos to all our uh, Spurs fans uh, in the chat. Top and of the table. League. And yeah, like you mentioned, Kane blanks and he's compounds that issue for managers that went Kane in game week one because he has already priced dropped to 11.4 million. Whereas kind of the straight swap, swap, straight swap in Holland He's already price rose, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh uh, man, those the, those managers that wanted to make that brutal noodle
1: to are shafted. Yeah, that that is true. That is the brutal noodle right there. You are in a predicament to maybe take a hit. We'll discuss that in our uh, pod questions later, but. Tough, tough, uh, tough news for some of those managers. Luckily, you and I got it right, and that's uh,
0: all we care about here, Bucks. Yes, sir. All right. Next up, there was not too much fanfare or to celebrate from the Chelsea Everton match. Uh, Really tough scenes and situation for Godfrey, who goes down with a really brutal looking injury. and A ball that that should have been out of bounds. That was like uh, horrible. You hate to see that. For FPL purposes, listen, Reese James gets a wildly undeserved two bonus points. He could not convert a single corner kick to save his life. He got a yellow card, but he got the clean sheet and completed a lot of meaningless uh, back and sideways passes. So we'll take those seven points. I thought Raheem Sterling looked really good and Jorginho just totally saved the day with his penalty kick. Uh, This was a this was a terrible watch. I'll say that as a Chelsea fan. Uh, Chelsea eke out the win 1-0, but that was not a fun game to watch, even as a fan with a horse in the race.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Bucks. Usually when Chelsea get the victory, I like to at least watch the extended highlights after this one. I didn't even want to watch the shortened highlights. This was not very pleasing to the eye, and I'm glad that uh, Koulibaly is getting up to speed in the squad he had a few kind of balls where i thought he could have done better but recovered and uh looks to be a force within our back line cucurella come cucurella came off the bench and looked pretty uh pretty impressive so i think he will be the preferred left center back uh, with koulibaly on the right and then Thiago silva in the middle Uh, i think that's going to be the the best formation so at 5.0 i'm really have my eyes on him for the first wild card that we're going to use, but not until we kind of see what how things net out on the left with Chilwell, who did end up with nine FPL points and played about 65 minutes.
0: Yeah. So one zero to Chelsea. They get the three points and they get out of Goodison Park, uh, out of Dodge as quick as possible. Next one up, Leicester Burnley. This was a tale of two halves. As Brian mentioned in the opening, the two four million, uh, keepers. We're doing some business in the first 60 odd minutes. Uh, Danny Ward gets the start at four million, and he pretty much gave FPL managers what they what they bargained for. He's the cheapest <laughs> playing goalkeeper and he gets one point. So uh you get what you pay for, so to speak. But the studs on Leicester really showed up in the first two-thirds of this match. Madison was bossing the game in the middle. He ends up with an assist for five points. Vardy also gets an assist, also ends up with five points. And then Castagna ends up with eight. He gets the opening goal. And Dewsbury Hall, uh, he had one goal all of last season. He's already matched that this season at 5 million. He looks like he could be a real good FPL bargain. And I just think he gets three bonus also. So 10 points from a guy that's 5 million. He's what we all expected Uh, Leon Bailey to return in game week one. Uh, KDH is actually that guy.
1: Dewsbury Hall hits a lot of outside the box uh, shots, and this was a worldie that went in for him. So uh, that was basically in like the 46th minute. So relatively lucky. I don't know if you can keep repeating it, but it is good to have all these budget enablers at 5.5 or 5.0 firing so you can get them into your squad. I thought James Madison was one of actually the players of the weekend. He had uh, six total shots in this match. He created five chances, which was second uh, out of any player this game week. So I think he's, if he stays at Leicester, he will be their talisman, regardless of who else is in the lineup, and he will be a big factor for FPL.
0: Now, turning to the Bees and Brentford, uh, the whole game changed when one budget enabler that we've shouted out multiple times josh da silva came onto the pitch around 60 minutes and he totally changed the game he was a real true super sub uh ivan tony ends up grabbing a classy goal to pull one back he ends up also with two bonus points for eight total and da silva gets the equalizer to earn a point uh in the 2-2 draw for six points and i think he was the budget neighbor that I thought performed best in game week one. He had limited opportunity, but he did the most with it. And you saw the whole character of the team shift when he came onto the pitch. So I'm really impressed with him. He is their number 10, and I expect he will not be a super sub for long. I think he's going to cement a spot in their starting 11 uh, once we get into the meat of potatoes of the season. Yeah, I want to double down on Ivan Tony. I know he's a player we highlighted in our Strikers
1: podcast. He really was close to having two goals in this. He actually just missed a, a header that was put on a plate for him from Imbomo, his, you know, up top mate for Brentford. And he's going to be a buzzsaw. He's going to be a buzzsaw at some point this season. Love it. I think uh, with their, with their fixtures coming up, they play Manchester United at home, but then they play Fulham, Everton, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Southampton after that. So if we get impatient with the likes of Gabby Jesus, maybe we'll be thinking about the main man at Brentford.
0: All right, we're about to talk about Manchester United, so I think I could just skip a little ahead. That is not a tough fixture anymore. This is a team that is completely out of sorts and Graham Potter and the Seagulls from Brighton, they figured that out in the opening weekend behind a masterclass performance. Smacked them. Absolutely, Graham Potter, great manager. I think he flies way under the radar. You know, Manchester United—they've been. Yeah, why,
1: why is that, Bucks? Do you, do you think it's his name, like Graham Potter? Like, can you take a Graham? I don't Potter know. They're Gareth, Southgate. A I mean, Gareth Southgate. Football manager.
0: Gareth yeah, Southgate is South, South
1: South Southgate Southgate as a last name is pretty strong. Graham I Potter. I think Potter, that's got to be it, right? Because he needs some respect on his name because he's beaten the shit out of this Man U team. It was 4-0 in the. Uh, second match of last season, then they kicked their butts today too, or
0: yeah, first time ever that Brighton have come to Old Trafford and escaped with the victory and three points. So, kudos to them. And, like, you know, like Brian and I are saying, Graham Potter is a real top manager. And the fact that Manchester United have continuously been gaffer manager shopping, window shopping the last couple of years, and they never interviewed Graham Potter. Serves them right with the performance that his team put out uh, at Old Trafford opening weekend. The one player who really dazzled, Pascal Gross, another budget enabler, uh, but he's off everyone's radar. 5.5 million, less than 2% ownership. He ends up with a first half brace and three bonus points to co-lead the scoring in game week one with 15 points. And the Eric Ten Hag era begins with Ronaldo kind of, frowning and grimacing on the bench and getting booed off the pitch in halftime in front of the home crowd. Holy shit. That is a horrible way to start. Yeah. He he was, he was pouting. Um,
1: You know, his face doesn't move much because of the Botox, but he was definitely brooding and pouting on the bench. He came, he came in though, and he did have a great pass to Rashford who should have scored uh, in a one V one kind of opportunity in the box. Sanchez had a big save there. Uh, ultimately, I think we'll wait and see on all these reduced price uh, assets at Manchester United, but my eyes are on Lewis Dunk at 4.5 million. I think, again, we respect the team. We we expect them to keep some clean sheets and at 4.5 million, he might be a player who makes my fourth or fifth defender slot at some point. So good to have him um, you know, as an option.
0: Yeah, so Brighton get the win 2-1. I just want to double-click. You mentioned Marcus Rashford. He is a player that was uh, interesting to a lot of FPL managers because he comes in at $6.5 million after a really down season last season he came in at 9.5 million so i think there's heavy expectations and he gets to start as the false nine only to totally disappear he was non-existent in this match and i think he's a complete cross-off until we actually see him do it uh in real life not just in the kind of theoretical dreams of man united faithful
1: yeah it was a weird setup from eth he had Rashford continued to play on the left and then sometimes go through the middle, but he was actually playing more on the left side, which uh, was pretty interesting. I think his post game was that Rashford had played so well on the left in preseason with Martial up top. And so like Ericsson was furthest forward a few times. It was a very bizarre match from cluster.
0: Uh, from what a cluster.
1: This, yeah. They, they, yeah. They're just, uh, they're in a really tough spot at the moment, but Hey, it's one match. You move on. So let's, let's keep us moving on bucks. Let's talk about the final match of the game week. And that is the debut of one Erling Holland in the premier league. Wow. This is a force to be reckoned with him and KDB hooking up for the beautifully taken second goal was, uh, I had that on a repeat on a couple of my, uh, my Twitter accounts, just watching that time and time again, these two are going to be a deadly duo and I just so stoked to have this player in the Premier League to watch him every single game week, and he is going to dominate this game as long as he's healthy.
0: Yeah, he was everything he was uh, cracked up to be, that's for sure. And then some. He has a earns a penalty and then takes the penalty for his opening goal. And then, as you mentioned, KDB inch perfect uh kind of incisive uh diagonal ball which Erling Haaland runs onto for a 1v1 and that's just that's child's play for a player of his caliber he slots that into the back of the net behind uh backup Ariola who came on for Fabianski but no one would have had a chance at stopping that he was just a man on a mission so wow bucks that that three strides
1: that he took to get to that ball and then his first touch to try and dribble around the keeper i didn't know he could close down that 20 feet in like three strides it it was just a powerful moment that is part of his game and we're going to see time and time again the rest of the center backs in the premier league are going to have nightmares about this guy just you know teams keep a high line and he is very adept at staying on sides and then he just makes up the ground in a, you know, a huge way because of how powerful
0: and how much force he brings in his strides. Yeah. And a couple of fun Holland, uh, FPL nuggets. He led the game week in shots in the box. He also led the game week in XG, which is expected goals as well as expected goal involvement. So just masterclass. He really could have had a hat trick on his debut, uh, if he didn't miss time, a heading chant.
1: Yeah, i saw that in the post game from sky sports they're trying to interview him and he was giving some short answers and then he he dropped the s bomb and he was the, the commentator had the interviewer had to say like oh we're on public tv you can't say that And he's like oh sorry new to this country don't know what i'm saying he said
0: oh shit, sorry which was made it even funnier he's he's a real 22 year old in all uh sense of the word but he is a incredibly talented player and someone we're going to see a lot more goals from this season to say the least Uh, One more player we want to shout out, Cancelo. He gets a yellow card. He was playing a lot deeper in this match than I think uh, I was hoping, being that he's on my FPL team. But unimpressive uh, performance from him, but he does get two bonus. So we'll take the clean sheet, two bonus for seven points and keep it moving. And I know you want to talk about your boy who kind of spoiled the fun for you, uh, one Riyad Mahrez, uh, sitting on the bench to start out the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty boy
1: Foden just comes straight into the squad after playing like 30 minutes all preseason because it was vaccination status. What a piece of junk that guy is. But uh, he he looks like to be uh, one of the main creators. I think from a tactics point of view, both Foden and KDB were really looking to cross the ball into um, into Holland. And it's just a different change in tactics that Manchester City you know hasn't had since Aguero was in his prime. So they're going to work the kinks out. Um, I thought that both Cancelo and Kyle Walker were kind of playing this weird, narrow role in the midfield. And they basically had only two center backs and then they had like five across the middle. And they actually did a really good job on NBC breaking this down at halftime. Um, I've never really seen it before. And that kind of actually led to a few of the link up plays um, that created the biggest chances in the match. So we'll see if Pep continues to do that. And our eyes are on. Cancelo, because he can convert all these passes, and that's why he got bonus points in this match. And if he continues to do that, still such a bargain at $7 million.
0: Yeah, easy win for City 2-0 in the end. And City defense continues to dominate. They had zero big chances conceded in this match. So really dominant performance, soup to nuts from City as they look to defend their title and charge on uh, for this season. Let's take a break when we come back We'll dive into some listener questions and preview the match week to come.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with the FPL Blues podcast. Bucks and I are going to break down some of your community questions, and we really appreciate your engagement both our whatsapp groups and on twitter so let's start with nick Hazi, who asks about jesus did he not get the right opportunities this game or is the rest of his team obviously not man city uh nick's actually a man city fan i can confirm that so that was a little bit of a a dad joke in there taking a jab but i thought overall jesus looked very positive uh full of energy he was making the right runs and putting pressure on the team even when he didn't have the ball. And I think that just helps the rest of their attack. The goals will come from him uh, as time progresses. And honestly, Crystal Palace was with a top six defense last season from an ex- expected goals perspective. And I'm not surprised that uh, they you know gave up a few goals, but they are one of the better and
0: well-drilled defenses in the league. Agreed, steady as she goes, no need for panic stations. I think uh, Gabriel Jesus will come good. If not uh, this coming game week, then in the next couple, uh, for sure. Let's go to a question from Josh Moffitt. Uh, First and foremost, we wanna congratulate Josh and his beautiful wife on welcoming another Liverpool future Academy player to their family. Uh, He will be headlining the Liverpool under one team uh, in the Crawlers (laughs) uh, starting in Boxing Day. So Josh wants to know if Mitrovic's performance
1: was a fluke or is this something that we're going to see from him in a full shirt? And secondarily, could this come back to haunt the likes of Liverpool who only lost the title by one point last year and giving up a you know, giving up dropping two points to a promotion side this early in the season, that sets you back. So Bucks, what do you think about Mitro?
0: I'm not going to jump on the hype right now he is definitely a man in form he has 15 goals in his last 15 matches so he is definitely killing it and i just think that it's not time to panic yet and it's not time to be pointing out trends or taking any big takeaways uh from just one game week liverpool have plenty of time to right the ship and all the other 19 premier league teams have plenty of time to take stumbles so uh i think no need to overreact Mitrovic. i would not be rash transferring him in despite his price rise now at 6.6 million but he would be a player i would watch for when fulham have some more favorable fixtures which are hard to come by for these relegation or excuse me with these recently promoted teams uh, that we expect will be in relegation battles but i uh, definitely one to monitor and a dream performance for him for sure
1: He's actually really changed up his game a lot. He was pressing a little bit more than we've seen him a few seasons ago when they were in the Premier League. He's reshaped his body a bit and isn't as plod footing out there in the pitch. And ultimately I noticed he's that play too. about Yeah, he's gonna play 90 minutes every match. And so if you're on pens, you know, like we said before in our previews of the season, Pookie was a good asset at times and at a 6.5 million. We just want as many options firing for us especially in the front line after we were in a barren wasteland of forward sludge last season so good to see a few of these <laughs> potential strikers come into the fold and maybe we switch up our formations to you know a 3-4-3 three, three, uh in time so good to see him off to a good start they have wolves brentford and arsenal in the next three so i wouldn't i wouldn't blame you if you're going to bring them in but i would not be rushing to move jesus to
0: him that's for sure True. Uh great shout on Mitrovic and noticing that he's more fleet of foot, uh, not quite stuck in quicksand. Like we said on last podcast, next question is from Sonia Kukler. I know her and her husband Trevor were at the man United match and they're asking as true United fans, if it's okay, if they wish that they get relegated so that it means that the Glazers will finally sell the club, uh, it's not quite time wow. to panic, but it's uh, it's getting pretty barren as a Man United fan uh, with their ineptitude over the last decade plus. Uh, what's your take, Brian? Oh, man, this was
1: one of my favorite uh, texts I saw in the WhatsApp group this weekend. We saw Sonia Cookler say, this United team is not helping my hangover one bit. Um, and that <laughs> that would be a tough match to go to, to see Brighton beat the crap out of your beloved team look United are in a huge state of flux I think they're gonna back the manager and start to get these players in time I think they probably have a few more moves to hopefully make in before the window closes and they desperately need some uh, reinforcement in the middle of pitch this McFred combination it's mediocre it is not the quality that you need to be a top four Champions League competitive side so I think they need to make some upgrades there and I'm just really interested to see if Martinez is going to continue to play next to previous captain Harry Maguire, or if he's going to play with Varane instead, who they've also played big money for. So we'll see how it nets out, but overall, good luck.
0: Yeah, that locker room is in shambles. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a long and brutal season for United fans, to say the least. Let's oh, go yeah, t- and then
1: bucks bucks on top of that, they're rumored to bring in head case are they're trying to go after some other guy who's not great in the locker room they're just yeah, a rabbi yeah bad bad yeah.
0: Bad, bad 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 Oof. vibes all around let's go to the next question Corey cummings asks would you advise rolling a transfer or if you have mason mount would you make a quick swap to Kulisevsky for game week two anyone else you might be considering or have on your transfer ticker uh going into game week two Look, there were no major injuries
1: for the majority of FPL managers for the popular assets. So I think both of us have really tried to preach to roll your transfer in game week two so you can have two or maybe take a hit and have three moves heading into game week three. I don't think it makes sense to go Mount to Kulu for game week two because you're going to either have Mount versus a good or pretty decent defense in Tottenham or you're going to have Kulusevski versus Chelsea, which is also a pretty good defense. So it doesn't make sense for me to make that transfer. I think long-term, you know, Kulu and the attack of the Spurs team probably trumps that of um, that of Chelsea's, but we're, we're still not sure how Conte is going to bring in for Charleston into the side and how that affects the minutes for Kulu. So I'm still a wait and see. Obviously, if you have Kulu, you just hold, but if you have Mounts, Unless we get team leaks that you know that Foden is going to start, that's the only player that I would potentially move Mount to at 8.0 for this game week versus Bournemouth.
0: I have a slightly different take. I think the only transfer player I would make a move for is Erwin Holland. If you're not going Holland, I would probably just roll the transfer because I think he's going to be an easy captaincy selection, not just in game week two, but in the next few game weeks so Holland or bust would be my transfer advice going into game week
1: two so would you take a hit because of the price changes that happened already would you take a hit to move Kane to Holland this game week yes that's a definitive answer from Bucks I think if you're planning to captain Holland yes it's worth the hit if you're going to captain solo this game week don't take the hit just ride it out with Kane who has easy fixtures after that so I think between the popular FPL community. We're going to see Holland being the overarching favorite to be captain versus a promoted side in Bournemouth. So again, if you don't have them, you're going to be watching that match from behind the couch. So uh, best of luck to you if that's your uh, unfortunate situation.
0: And that gets us really nicely into Amar Solanke's question, which is who do we back as captain for game week two? Holland or Sala is the big debate. I think we're both Uh, leaning towards Holland. Uh, Salah has a checkered history of game week two performances. He has not actually scored a goal in a Liverpool kit in game week two. However, he has a great record against Palace, especially in front of the Anfield crowd, where I expect he will be highly motivated to break that game week two brutal streak. And I think something's got to give. But for both of us, I think Holland just he leaped off the screen. He leaped off the pitch as a truly special player. And for that, you got to back him going against a relegation uh, caliber team in Bournemouth. Yeah,
1: we expect that one to be a blowout, especially after Bournemouth is going to think they have some confidence after beating Villa, but this is a whole different beast of a team in city and we expect them to win four or five nil. And I'm hoping for some hopeful Mahrez points because I'm Hopefully going to roll my transfer there. So let's end that community questions section. We'll be right back to talk about a few of the FPL matches to target for FPL returns. And then just a few of our quick goals that we're trying to set for ourselves this season in FPL. We'll be right back.
0: All right, back from break. Let's dive into the game week two matches to target for FPL returns. Let's go no further than Bournemouth at the Etihad facing Man City. We've mentioned it up team times now. Uh, We're going to mention it again because we expect that to be a complete smashing, a blowout to City. And I think it's going to really flatter Erling Holland on his debut in front of the home crowd. I think even uh, new faces like Julian Alvarez are going to get into the fun. I expect Foden, KDB. Everyone's gonna have their time in the spotlight in this match, as I expect it gonna be five, six, seven, zero to City. Calm
1: down on seven goals. Uh, they they take the foot off the gas. I'll say four goals, four zero, clean sheets galore for your defenders, and hopefully one of those goals is from Riyad Mahrez because I have taken a massive punt and now I gotta stick with him for this game week. But I'll be tripled up on City, and hopefully they can do the business um, after he was benched in game week one. Heading into the next game, we've talked about Palace and Liverpool. We're expecting a pretty cagey one in this match, but I think 2-0 is what I'm expecting from Liverpool. I don't see them conceding after uh, they'll probably be drilled and look at the film from where they got their asses kicked versus Fulham. So I expect a better performance from the overall defense. Uh, We will see, again, who starts in the Thiago
0: slot. Uh, Harvey Elliott, could he come into the fold? We'll see. Yeah, next up, West Ham travel to newly promoted side and historically big club Nottingham Forest. I think that is going to be a really entertaining match. I think that's a great opportunity for West Ham to get back on track against a team that I just said was dog shit and likely to finish 20th in the league. So (laughs) uh, that tells you where I'm thinking the FPL points are going to lean in that match. And lastly, I think I include this match because I think it's going to be an offensive uh, kind of run out. And that's Leicester traveling to play at Wembley against Arsenal. I think that's going to be a wildly entertaining match. Uh, I think, sorry, let's go back. West Ham, I think is going to win also 2-0 against Forest. Leicester, Arsenal, I think that's going to be 3-2 in favor of the home team, Arsenal. What do you got there? Ooh, f-
1: five goals. Wow, that would be something. That would be quite the shootout. Uh, yeah, I think this is a, this is probably a 2-1 or a 2-2, honestly. I think lester have a lot of improvements to make in their squad but uh yeah i think these are two teams that can score goals on on anybody so i would expect them to maybe concede so i know you have ramsdale in goal and he delivered the business in game week one we'll see if he can get a fortunate clean sheet I do just in my mind last year when Ramsdale saved the James Madison free kick, that was one of like the highlights of the season for Ramsdale. And that was (laughs) one of the first times when we were all like, wow, this, this guy is for real. And last year he started at 4.5 and he went on that huge run for about 15 games uh, for FPL where he was a beast. So uh, definitely interested in that one from a pure watch standpoint. Speaking of pure watches, Spurs at Chelsea, man, I'm excited for this one. This kicks off at 8.30 on Sunday Pacific time. This is going to be the match of the weekend. I cannot wait to see Conte playing the Blues once again. And who comes out on top of this may potentially define who is in the top three or four slots this Premier League race. So I'm excited for that one. Bucks, uh, what do you got?
0: 2-1 to Chelsea is what my heart says. My head says that this is going to be a really tightly fought match. I think it ends 1-1 is what my head is saying.
1: Wow. One, one. I think it'll be a little bit more. Um, I think there'll be more fireworks in this one than we're expecting. So this could be maybe a a two or three, one victory for either side. Uh, definitely excited for that though. And then uh, uh, playing, let's just playing, Newcastle playing,
0: playing straight up the middle right there, Brian, I respect that.
1: I mean, honestly, I expect Spurs to win if we're going to be honest. Um, and this is the space to do it on a podcast. i hate to say that about my team, but I, I do think that Spurs are the better club. They made the better signings. They have this stronger starting 11. Yep. That,
0: you can hear me hissing at it. Brian. Ugh, yuck. I hate that take. All right. Next two matches that are also pretty even Man United travel to Brentford. I think that will be a really interesting match to test where Man United really are uh, because they have been lashed at by the coach. They've been drilled probably into the ground this week leading up to the match. They really need a performance to show that they are taking it in and understand that they need to string some quality performances together for this new coach and to really start something uh, this season. I think that is 2-1 to Brentford, but I think it also could be uh, a really even game. So I'm high on Brentford. I think they get it done.
1: I think this is a two-two draw. I see goals and mistakes on both sides. Um, so we'll see how that nets out. And then lastly, Newcastle at Brighton. Two of the stronger mid-table defenses, really keen to see, you know, who strikes first. I don't really rate any of the attacking assets for Brighton, but as a collective whole, they just managed to score one or two goals in most matches. So uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if your boy trips
0: can deliver a clean sheet for you. Yeah, I think this is 1-0 to Newcastle, and I think that Callum, the Truth Wilson, gets it done for Tyneside. Without further ado, let's let's get into the final segment of this episode. This is going to be a special segment. We just want to cover our goals for the 2022-23 season. And this is important because this is going to be something we can fall back on at the end of the season and really see how we performed to our own kind of uh, 10 commandments, so to speak, our own best practices. Brian, you take the floor first.
1: Yeah, that's right. Our FPL forwards, and attacking assets have their goals set on the golden boot. Meanwhile, managers like you and I, we're shooting for the top 10K. I think that's still the elite manager marker that both of us really hope to reach this season. I've been very close to it in the past. My highest overall rank was 11.5K, and I know, Bucks, you were at 13K a few seasons ago in your rookie season, so I'd be very thrilled about that, but even a top 25K, given that there's maybe eight to nine to 10 million managers in the whole FPL game would be a very impressive rank as well.
0: Yeah, I'm saying 10K, I think uh, as a kind of less ambitious goal, I want to finish in the top 50K. And I think that, um, you know, I'm engaged enough. I watch enough matches. I consume enough FPL advanced content that uh, anything outside the top 50K, I would be slightly disappointed with. Next up for me, and this is an important lesson that I've had to learn the hard way the last two seasons no goalkeeper transfers. Now, this is the lowest (laughs) upside position, and it's really just it translates to my whole philosophy. This season, I want to be much more intentional with my transfer moves, and I want to be chasing risk optimization. So I don't want to be risk averse, I don't want to be moving, you know budget enabler players to other budget enabled players. I wanna be taking swings with my transfer moves to really chase halls and top tier players. So um, no goalkeeper transfers is part one, being more aggressive with my transfers is part two. Man, Bucks, I've been telling you that ever since you joined FPL to not
1: make goalkeeper transfers yet. I think you've made three or four, sometimes for hits over the last couple of years. Um, Yeah, like you said, it's a low, ceiling type of um, position in your starting 11. So try to avoid that Uh, off the back of, you know, you trying to be more aggressive at the same time, I'm actually trying to roll transfers as much as possible so that I can really back the picks that I've made. And so even for instance, have Mares heading into game week two, I still think he's a good pick if he plays, and therefore I'm going to keep him in my side and have two transfers heading into game week three and then hopefully i could take a minus four and i can really shake up the entire structure of my team and make three moves so i would really recommend that to fpl managers you brought these players in for a reason unless they're flagged or they're injured for a long term you want to really just have some patience with your picks and back what you're seeing on the pitch at the start of the season, it's more difficult because there's less data. We have we know less about the promoted assets and things of that nature. But overall, try and roll your transfer as much as possible and uh, avoid taking those
0: unnecessary hits on gambles that might not pay off Yeah, last one for me is something that I failed at last season, and that is just to identify and then quickly cross off entirely the bad teams. Now, sometimes you could be tempted or teased into chasing uh, kind of their talisman or strongest assets if they have a double game week or they're playing uh, another weak opponent. But I think my takeaway from my two seasons of playing FPL is that it's always best to back the best teams in as many spots on your starting 11 as possible. And this season is unique in that players across the table are much cheaper price and they're much more affordable. So you realistically can build a team with only teams that are gonna be competing for Champions League spots. So with that in mind, that is something that I'm going to be saying and beating the drum of all season long. I will not be having forest players in my starting 11. I'll not be having Bournemouth players. I'll not be having Southampton players. If I can humanly avoid it, I am not chasing those teams and their points.
1: Yeah, Bucks, you learned that lesson the hard way last season when you got enamored with Crystal Palace. You had and Gallagher, Denny... you, brought in Gai- you brought in Gaita, you had Benteke, I think you had Olise uh, at some point. You had a lot of players from Crystal Palace, and they didn't amount to much. And, you know, they're, they're a solid team, but from an FBL perspective, we wanna focus on those top six to eight teams where we know where the goals are coming from and the cleans.
0: Yeah, beyond Palace, I mean, I also flirted with Watford at times. I had Emmanuel Denis as my captain in a I double mean, game I
1: week. I mean, who, who? yeah, who didn't have a run at, at that uh, piece of attacking assets there, Bucks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that mustachioed man. Uh, and then I also had Veghorst, uh, another flopper uh, from a bad team. So uh, lesson learned going into the, this new season. I will just be focusing my attention and my efforts on the best teams and the best players from those teams for my FPL side.
1: Yeah, and use stats like XA and XG to help identify players that you might bring into your side that are kind of out of that bandwagon pick um region i think especially when you look at advanced stats you want your players to be in the right positions on the pitch to score points sometimes they don't convert them sometimes they miss their chances but if they're continually over the course of the season in those attacking slots in the box taking shots you know from close range they're going to deliver at some point so i think that's a really good just basic advanced metrics type of stat for new players even to look at and hopefully help identify and pick between um you know player a and player b
0: with that that concludes our episode thank you for listening please subscribe if you haven't already we're on social at fpl blues podcast you can find this episode and all our backlog of episodes from last season as well as preseason on your preferred podcast provider apple spotify anchor Whoever does it for you and you listen to podcasts there, we're there already. And we look forward to you joining us Uh, along this ride this season. Uh, Get involved in our mini league for mums two for M-U-M-S-2. We'd love to have you join the other 200 plus managers in that competition. And yeah, it's it's we're in it now. We're in it, baby. And it's all to play for from here on in for game week two to start i wish we had a friday fixture but
1: instead we got to get up bright and early on saturday and then i believe actually there's a fixture on monday crystal palace plays liverpool so some big fpl points to be had on a monday make sure to block off your calendars if you're working from home for the final hour of that
0: match and we'll see you guys back for our game week three preview next week let's get those green arrows baby great pod brian thanks everyone